Welcome to the Highway Church Podcast. We're excited that you would join us today and hope you're encouraged by the message you hear. If you'd like to know more, visit our website, highway.com.au. But it's good to be with you and I want to get straight into this because our time's running away and I've called this Adventures in Faith tonight and I do that with great intention because I want to sow something into this time, this season, this atmosphere that we find ourselves in as a church. And uh, I want to go back a little bit. I mean, my Christian life has been probably developed a little bit based upon some old stories. And if you're like me, you may have remembered a time in your own life when you used to read some of the old stories of men and women of faith that have really what they call adventures in faith. And I guess that's the power of a testimony because a testimony is that someone was once this and now they're that. That someone was once a person far away and now they are near. That once a person was bound and now they are free. And so that is the story of all of our lives in this room as well. Whether you grew up in a Christian home or whether you, uh, you know, followed the Lord all the days of your life, whether your parents were Christian or not, you still had to come to a moment of accepting Jesus as your personal Lord and Saviour. And so we carry something of the story of God in our own lives. And I've called this little message tonight and I I didn't even really want to preach, to be honest with you. I just wanted to tell stories. And I wanted it to be like a bit of a lounge room situation where we just tell and share the stories of God. And so we'll see how we go. But these adventures of faith stories, when you listen a little deeper, some of them come out of real desperate times. And they've come out of some deep wells and people's lives where the Word has been sown and then the Word sown found some fertile soil and then it began to take root and then it produced change. And you know, that is something that you and I have to be mindful of in our own lives that the as the Word goes out, as you hear it or even tonight perhaps, that the Word would find some fertile soil to take a hold so that it can grow something in our lives. But there is power There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in a whisper. Byron discovered that when he was in ICU in 2009. There was power in a whisper when he'd lost all physical strength, emotional strength, and he was literally probably within hours of going into eternity. And it was out of a whisper that he whispered to the Lord, Jesus, I love you. Who knows there's power in a whisper and he's here tonight sitting on the front row. There is power in, in prayer. There is power in faith. There's power in a shout. Sometimes you give a shout of praise like they did with the walls of Jericho. And it wasn't on the first day. It was on the last day that God said, let out a shout and the walls came down. Sometimes there's power in a whisper. Sometimes there's power in a shout. Sometimes, there's always power in praise. Do you know, that's why sometimes we get you to praise because the devil cannot tolerate a church that praises God. The devil hates a church that praises God. And you don't have to be loud in your praise, but let's give praise to Him, whether we're quiet, whether we're loud, whether we're meditative or whether we're boisterous. It makes no difference as long as we declare that He is worthy of all of our praise and our attention. There is power in the life of faith. 
And I've called this, as I mentioned, Adventures in Faith, but I like what T.D. Jakes said one year, and it's always remained with me. I'm not very good at remembering who preached what, where and when. I don't know what you're like, but I remember him saying this one thing, that he had learned to walk with God in such a way that he would give uh, praise to God on credit, and that always stuck with me. It was like one of those, it just stayed with me. And I've done that on a few occasions myself where I've given praise to God for something on credit, something before it's come my way, something before I've seen the breakthrough, the answer to prayer. You just give praise to God on credit. I wish I'd done it every time, but I have not. But it's worth thinking about. It's about kind of getting yourself ready for what God's about to do. Because the Word of God is real and true, whether you see your answer or whether you don't, whether you're feeling it or whether you're not feeling it, whether you're in the land of a valley or whether you're on a mountaintop, whether you're in the good or the bad, the Word of God is always the same. His Word is truth and life to our lives. But I grew up as a younger Christian reading and being inspired by some of the oldies. And uh, You know, names like maybe some of you are not familiar with, like John G. Lake. He fascinated me. He fascinated me because he saw God move in such a remarkable way. Dr. Yongi Cho, Wigglesworth, of course, most of us have heard, Oral Roberts and so many others. But the interesting thing about these, you know, people who were adventures in faith was this, that many of them lacked formal training. Many of them lacked even an education. Many of them were not even great public speakers. Wouldn't you think that God would choose the best, the finest, the most qualified? And yet the only qualifications we need to do need to have is that God Himself has appointed and anointed you to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Whether you've been educated, whether you've gone through university or not, but once you're a follower of Christ, God will make you into the man and woman of destiny that He saw over your life, even while you were in your mother's womb. And you might say, my childhood was messed up. My family was awful. I tell you what, the destiny of God upon your life is far greater than any background that you and I have come from. It does not disqualify you. Just become a follower of Christ and see what God does with your life. And so these things do not disqualify us. Wigglesworth, they called him an apostle of faith an apostle of faith. What a great title to have, that you're an apostle of faith. But those titles don't come cheaply. They come because somebody trusted God. They come because somebody believed God. In fact, one of his favourite sayings was this, only believe. I love that. But it's not so easy to live. It's not so easy to live when you are faced with the impossible, the incurable, the hardship, the lonely, the empty. Your back is against the wall. Only believe. It sounds like it's so hard to leave that way, to live that way. But this man was a plumber, a plumber with no formal training and wasn't even a great public speaker. And yet this uneducated plumber saw, they say, about 20 people raised from the dead. And I believe it's time that Lazarus begin to rise. I'm not suggesting we go to grave sites and start to raise the dead or anything like that. But I do believe that those that are dead in Christ right now, that it's time that they start to come to their feet, that the breath of God come upon them, that they form and join the purposes of God and get back in line with the destiny and call of God upon their lives. That's what we're called to do. And when we start to declare and prophesy the name of Jesus, Something is taking place. 
God is moving beyond this room. Never think that we're just in these four walls right now. We are beginning to declare the name of Jesus out into our streets, our neighbourhoods, our land, your families, your friends, and everywhere where the gospel can go. Dr. Yongi Cho, I love. His book helped shape and form some of my prayer life to this very day. Dr. Yongi Cho was given months to live as they gave him Uh, I don't know, something like six months to live or something like that is he was diagnosed with tuberculosis. And then a little girl comes along and begins to speak to him about Jesus. He was raised, I think it was a Buddhist. He was raised as a Buddhist and knew nothing about Jesus Christ as Lord and Saviour. And this little person comes along and begins to declare, you've got a Saviour. You've got a God in heaven that loves you. God has got a destiny and a reason for your life. Jesus Christ is alive and He's real today. And not only can He save you, but He can also heal your body of that incurable disease. As that young man was laying on his deathbed, he began to meditate upon the Bible, a Bible he knew nothing about. He didn't even know the Bible was real. He thought it was just a book of words. And he began to meditate upon the Scriptures and little by little strength began to come back to his body. Healing came into his body. They, you know, they gave him a farewell just, I think it was a couple of years ago, into his 90s. That's not bad when you're a teenage boy and they give you months to live. And he lived a full life preaching the Gospel and he taught us, he taught a generation to see beyond the natural, to see beyond the normal, to see into a dimension that goes beyond this earth. And he taught people how to live with the, by the disciplines of faith and the disciplines of prayer. How does that happen? Jesus is real. The situations you're praying for, the Lord is the answer. Billy Graham, who taught us, taught us that there was one way to heaven and that was through the name of Jesus Christ, that heaven is real, hell is real and where will you spend eternity? That's a sobering thought right there. These stories helped shape and form my own personal Christianity because I'd grown up in a different denomination as a kid and didn't know any of these things. But these stories are real, but your stories are also real because He is the same God. I love that song, we sing same God. Every time I hear those songs, He's the same God that healed. He's the same God that saved. He's the same God that restored. He's a, I don't even know the words, but I just know He's the same God. He's the same God that moved in Yongi Cho's life. He's the same God that moved in Billy Graham's day. He's the same God that moved in Oral Roberts, John G. Lake, Wigglesworth or any other names you, you here might be familiar with. He is the same God and God is getting His church ready. He's wakening something up within us to get ready for what God's about to do in this time, in this moment, in our time. But these men didn't get there by accident. One of the things that I noticed about many of their lives, and they were just not the lucky few that God decided, you know, I'll just pour out my spirit here and maybe there and not there. It doesn't work like Russian roulette. Someone was praying for them. Somebody was praying for these people. Byron and I stand here today forever grateful for two people that stood in the gap for our lives They did not give up. They were relentless at inviting us along to church. But most of all, they prayed behind the scenes in a quiet place for two people that were resisting everything associated to God, with God. Someone was praying for them. Someone came and told them about Jesus and somebody invited them to church. 
Listen, there is power in the invitation. There is power in prayer. There is power in talking to someone about Jesus Christ. People are more open and ready and receptive to to receive Jesus than what we sometimes give them credit for. They are ready. The harvest is ready. The harvest is ripe. Doesn't matter where you go. You know, we're in a coffee shop today and this woman had a little dog and I've been trying to talk Byron into getting a dog for 12 months. He's starting to break down. He's breaking down little by little, day by day, week by week. Just everywhere I go, there's a cute little dog. And it just so happens that a conversation starts. There is an agenda, you do realise. But if that opens up a conversation about Jesus Christ inviting someone along to church, hey, let it be. Let it be. If we have to get three dogs to lead someone to Christ. What do you think, Brent? Good idea. <clears throat> I'm telling you for reinforcements. I'll leave it there. But these people did not get in this moment by accident. And it's time for our nets to be mended. God is ready to mend the nets. To mend in the Greek means to adjust. It means to arrange. It means to perfect. It means to furnish and to equip. And church, if I feel anything in my heart at all tonight, it's a couple of things that I want to draw our attention to. And I'll try and abbreviate some of this because I feel like I'm, you know, all over the place. But God is a mender of our lives. He's a mender of broken nets. He equips, He heals, He restores, He appoints and He anoints. And he does it for the purpose of his name's sake, for the sake of the kingdom, but also for the destiny and the call of God upon your life. Don't think the call and destiny of God belongs if you stand up here with a microphone. It doesn't. We are the body of Christ. We are the church. The church is not 351 Creek Street, Ormo. You and I, the people of God sitting in this seat right now is the church of Jesus Christ. And God has a plan, a purpose, a destiny, a reason, a future for your lives. Let's not waste it. Amen. And God is about to heal our nets. Torn nets cannot go down deep in, down, down into the deep because they cannot carry anything. God is about to mend the nets so we can go into deep waters. Mended nets carry what God wants us to carry. Our lives are defined by truth. Jesus said, I am the door. He is the door, not a door, the door. He is the way, the truth and the life. And that doesn't just mean that He's our salvation. He is our everything. He is everything. And so if we want to go further, wider, deeper and all the rest that we've been talking about, then what's stirring in my heart tonight is that our personal nets would be mended, ready to carry what God is about to pour upon us. And as I mentioned, I love hearing about the stories of faith, those faith stories. It sounds exciting, doesn't it? It's found, it sounds almost poetic, I don't know, romantic, or it sounds glamorous. And yet that adventure of faith story 
as I mentioned before, often comes because somebody faced the incurable, the impossible, the unsurpassable, the difficulties, the hardships, and yet they trusted God right in the middle of it. They trusted and called upon the name of God at the start, the middle and the end, because the name of Jesus does not change. It doesn't change from one day to the next or from one season to the next or from one challenge to the next or from one victory to, to the next. He is the name that is above every other name. He's the same today, yesterday and forever. These adventures of faith, giving maybe the true adventure of faith is learning, as T.D. Jake said, to give God praise on credit before Goliath falls. Before the walls come crashing down, before our answer presents itself, before our healing is manifested, before our children return home, before we see a great awakening and a great revival, because God will always plant a seed before the absolute kind of, you know, harvest presents itself. But let me tell you this, why it is so incredibly important for you and I to live in a faith dimension. This is why it's so important. There's actually only two reasons why this is imperative for you and I. Number one is that it pleases God. Faith pleases God. So you and I have a responsibility on us to be men and women of faith, developing and growing and enlarging and deepening in our faith. And the second reason is this, that without faith, we start to shrink, we start to sink, And I was going to say we start to stink, but I thought that was a bit unkind. So I'm just saying that about me. You might shrink and think, I start to stink without faith. But it's so true because we've been talking out of Ezekiel about the swamps and the marshes, that stinky old place. I tell you what, we don't want to go into stinky old marshes. We don't want to shrink, we don't want to sink, and we certainly don't want to stink. But faith comes by what? By hearing. By hearing the Word of God. And so when I picked up a couple of these books the other day, I did it for one reason. And, you know, some of the pages now are dog-eared and yellow and all the rest of it. And, you know, when I was growing in my faith, you know, things like iPads and computers weren't around. So everything was hard copy books. And I still prefer it today because I scribble, I write, I colour it and nobody else can read it. Byron says, nobody can read that book after you've been there. You've completely desecrated the thing. And I like it that way because it's mine, right? It's mine, as my little granddaughter says. Everything is mine. Well, they're mine. So I picked up some of these old stories for the other, the other day for one reason. I needed my faith stirred again. I needed the pot stirred again. I needed to know that God is ready to heal and He is ready to move. I needed that sense of God, what you've done before, you're well able and ready to do it again. And these collection of stories started to stir something in me. I believe we've been in this season and I'm going to go into something in a minute and then we're going to open up this place for prayer and I hope some impartation. But I think we've been in a season where God's been trying to get our attention. The book of Proverbs says that actually, it says, pay, pay careful attention to what I say. And I think God has been not only awakening something within us, but He has been trying to get our attention because 
God does what he does, but the paying attention side of it is our side of it. That's our choice side. That's the part that we choose. Will we pay attention to what he's about to do, what he's been speaking about? The word has got to become flesh in us. You know, when I've gone through some battles and some challenges and I've faced one or two, one or two, here's what I've learned is this, that I know it all here. But getting it from here to here is a whole nother thing. And you've got to keep looking and paying attention and taking a look at what God is speaking until the Word of God becomes flesh in you. And once it becomes flesh in you, it's out of that place that you can begin to pray with confidence and with conviction and with a knowing without a shadow of doubt that all will be well. Do you know when Byron was literally dying from cancer in 2008, 2009, the Word of God became flesh at that time for me personally. When His body no longer worked, I was very grateful for what the Holy Spirit did to me. But I was able to begin to let certain things become flesh in me, not just head knowledge, but this sense of knowing and conviction that no matter how this looks, no matter how, you know, how, how serious this thing becomes, no how no matter how 11th hour or almost 12th hour it looks, I just know, I know, I know, I know, I know without a shadow of doubt that this thing, even at the last minute, is going to turn around for victory and for praise because His journey is not done. The victory belongs to the Lord, but victory belongs to us as well. And we started to see a turnaround. And at that very 11th hour moment, when He's in ICU and I was home this night, He's saying in a week, whisper, Jesus, I love you. And the next day, the next day, we started to see that thing start to turn around. We started to see his body start to start to improve slowly, but eventually got there. And we started to see a victory in his life, his body, until they finally gave him a clean bill of health. Let me tell you, that sense of praise doesn't come cheaply. It's not the press of a microwave somewhere in three minutes it'll be done. You've got to learn to walk by faith. Learn to live the Word of God until the Word of God becomes flesh on the inside of you. And it doesn't matter whether it's an incurable disease or whether it's a family matter, whether it's a job or it's some other situation. When the Word of God grows on the inside of you here and it's taken hold, it's taken root and it's become a conviction in you. You can stand and you say, Goliath, you might be intimidating me today, but you won't be intimidating me tomorrow. Walls, you might be impenetrable right now, but eventually those walls are going to come down. But the same God I can praise at the start of this thing is the same God I can praise in the middle, and it's the same God I'll give praise to at the end. That's conviction. That's when the Word of God becomes flesh to you. But you've got to find a place for the Word to take hold. Let me give you this Scripture. Luke chapter 138, six verses and then we'll close. At the time Mary got ready and hurried, listen to these words, hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, Judah, Judea where she entered Zechariah's home and she greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby in her womb leaped and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. 
And in a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favoured that the mother of the Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfil his promise to her. The other day when I was reading this, I felt the Holy Spirit begin to speak to me. And it wasn't a scripture that we've even been looking at in the last little while, but the Holy Spirit grabbed me, like literally grabbed my attention until I couldn't let it go. And I saw four things at this this entry point, this point where Mary's at, this point where Elizabeth's at. Mary, you know, was carrying Jesus. Elizabeth is carrying John, who eventually became John the Baptist. But here we find, number one, there's a get ready moment. Mary hurries herself. There's this hurried time. There's this don't waste, do it now moment. Don't delay, don't procrastinate. Now is the time. And Mary gets herself ready and she hurried into the town. This was a no delay time. This isn't something that'll happen tomorrow, next week, next month, next year. Now. She hurries. There's something in her that is driven by purpose, driven by timing. Then Mary enters Elizabeth's house and at the sound of Mary's voice, the baby within Elizabeth leaps. There is something of the sound of the kingdom of God right now that is in the air and in the ears of the church. We are hearing something of God's Spirit It's the beginnings of something coming awakened. It's the beginnings of something leaping. It's the beginnings of, I don't know what he's about to do. All I know is I hear the sound of the kingdom of God. I hear the sound. What what is within Elizabeth leaps, and of course it's John, that is leaping within at the sound of the kingdom of God coming into the house. And it says here, blessed is the one who believed. This is before Jesus is born. This is before Jesus' ministry. This is before Jesus went to the cross. This is before Jesus was raised from the dead. Listen, you don't have to see to believe. You don't have to be in a time of manifestation to believe. It is now that we believe. It is now that we declare. It is now that we say, God, I see. God, I believe. These four things. We are, as a church, in a season of preparation. God is preparing us for what He's about to do. As we've read different books over the last few years, Haggai, Nehemiah, and all the rest. Yes, there's a time of ruins. Yes, there's a time of wilderness. We know that John's voice was raised up in a wilderness time, prepare the way for the Lord. But in those seasons of ruins of Nehemiah and Haggai and others like that, There is a voice that God raises up and says, prepare the way for what God is about to do. And I believe right now God is speaking to us. You prepare your hearts. Let's prepare our church. Let's prepare our lives right now for what God is about to do. John's ministry was imperative. He was appointed to prepare the way for the King of Kings and for the Lord of Lords in this crazy, messed up, turned upside down existence we call planet earth and today God is getting his church ready for what he's about to do he is about to pour out his spirit 
He is. He is about to pour out His Spirit. And we hear the invitation of the Lord. I hear three things. It's time to mend our nets. Those things that got broken down, damaged, tarnished, weakened even. Our nets are no good with holes in them. They won't carry what God is taking us into, number one. And I wanna pray over lives in just a few minutes of time. The other thing, and Byron mentioned it this morning, is that the sound of Mary's voice, the baby within Elizabeth leaps, that to me speaks about God waking something up within us. What is the voice that you're hearing within? Is it the voice of the Holy Spirit? I know as I read Scripture, as I listen to things, as I pray, the voice of the Holy Spirit is waking up within me. And then thirdly was this. Not only did the baby within Elizabeth leap, but it says here that Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. God is filling His church again with the power of the Holy Spirit. But what I want to do tonight is to pray that broken nets be mended. You might even want to stand in the gap right now for somebody else and say, God, I want their lives healed. Do you know, here's the thing. God doesn't just want us healed. He wants us whole. Because you can get healed, but your soul is still broken. Your mind is not renewed. The trauma that's on you can still remain. God just doesn't want us healed. He wants us whole. So we can carry a move of His Spirit. So we can carry the Word of the Lord. But God wants to touch you afresh with the Holy Spirit and with power. I want us to stand to our feet. I want to pray for you tonight. I really do. And I, as I pray for you, I pray for myself. I went to the Lord this morning in prayer before our church service. I said, God, I've got one prayer this morning, just one, just one. And it was along these lines, God, would you mend this net that got broken down? Because I personally cannot go into the days ahead with this net so broken, with this net so damaged, with this net just won't be able to carry the weight of your glory, the weight of your destiny, the weight of your purpose, the weight of what you've been speaking to me about with this net so broken. I can't do it. I won't be able to carry it. And I need my own personal net healed and mended. And there's many of you in the same position right now. If that's you, let's not delay. Let's be like Mary. We hurry to the town. We hurry to that place. Come to the altar. God's about to heal nets and lives and hearts. God's about to mend families. Start a healing process. Step right out. Come to the altar right now. We're going to pray. And then Byron's going to give you an opportunity to be able to make Jesus Christ as Lord and Saviour of your life tonight. If that's you and you just know you want God to start a healing, restorative process in your life, I'm going to stand with you in this place of healing tonight. If you want to give your life to Jesus Christ, there is two places in eternity. There's heaven and there's hell. If you do not know Jesus Christ as Lord, don't delay. Come to the altar and say, I'm here for salvation. Lead me to Jesus Christ in this place tonight. I am not delaying. I'm not procrastinating Procrastinating one more moment. I'm going to come down and pray. And then, Byron, if you take over and give anyone an invitation to accept Jesus, that would be great. 
Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you'd like to get in contact with us or find out more about Highway Church, go to highway.com.au.